And if this is a Palm Sunday, Passion Sunday, we look to celebrate and worship our God. We welcome you to join us and worship a little something like this. Thank you. 
love you, Jesus. Lord, I love you more than anything. Lord, we thank you for how great is your love towards us. That you see past our faults. You see past our issues, our trials, and our tribulations. And you see that we need you. We need your love, your grace, your mercy. And so you step down out of heaven to show us your glory that we might know you as Lord. Father, bless us as we prepare to continue to go further in worship and hearing the preaching of your word. Father, we just ask you to guide us, direct us further into your presence. And may you receive all the glory and receive all the honor, Lord, we pray. Amen. 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 As we are celebrating this Passion Week, it's the love of God that moved him to step out of heaven. To clothe himself in flesh, knowing that he was going to suffer, that he was willing to go into Jerusalem. As is Palm Sunday is the beginning of Passion Week, as we can also call this Passion Sunday, we can understand the word passion is basically a translation of the Greek word to suffer. That Jesus came to suffer so that we might know redemption. The Passion narratives begin with his coming in to Jerusalem and also simultaneously the Jewish leaders plotting against the life of Jesus during the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And it ends with his burial on Friday after his crucifixion. Jesus is facing animosity after raising Lazarus from the dead as we read earlier in this text. As we've been reflecting during this time of Lent, we've been reflecting on the power of the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus in raising Lazarus was kind of the last straw that caused the Jewish leaders to become upset and and they gained traction with others and said, now we got to get him. Not only did they want to get him, but they also wanted to get Lazarus because he was evidence of what God is doing. I want to encourage you to understand that when people do not like you and they don't like what God is doing in you, they just don't want to hurt you, but they want to hurt everybody else around you. Here it is that Jesus is showing us how he's going to rise from the grave and how he raised Lazarus from the grave. The leading priests did not like that and they didn't like what God is doing. I want to encourage you, there's some people in your life that you may not be aware of it, but they don't like what God is doing in your life. Everyone is not happy with you when you are doing well. They may sing praises to you, but they may be also secretly thinking of your demise. Once to encourage us that on this Palm Sunday, right, the crowds are saying, Hosanna in the highest, blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. But on Friday, they were saying, crucify him. You understand that sometimes when God is doing good things in your life. There's some people that will pat you on the back, but at the same time, they'll be ready to stab you in the back. 
We understand the terminology of fair weather fans or fair weather friends. Basically saying that you are with me when things are good, but let it be turbulent. Let it be some trial. Let there be some tribulation. Let there be some problems. And then all of a sudden, you're nowhere to be found. Then all of a sudden, those same fair weather fans or fair weather friends become bad wagoners, that they start joining somebody else in the next movement. But yeah, I'm going to encourage us that let us not be fans of Jesus. But let us be devoted followers of Jesus. Let us not just sing his praise when it's popular, but yet when others are turning against him, may we stay faithful to him. Jesus is forever faithful, so how much more we ought to be forever faithful to him. Notice in our text, the John the 12th chapter, it says on the next day, let this a sequence of time, because earlier in this text of this, we see that Lazarus' uh, mother, I'm sorry, sisters, uh, celebrated Jesus coming in. People know about what he did to Lazarus. And then Mary uh, anoints his feet and Judas gets upset saying, hey, she wasted this money. This is what we learn about Judas, that he's a thief. He said that uh, we could use this money, you know, <clears throat> to donate to the poor. But the text gets the commentary and say he only saying that because he won't take that money out the treasure. And so here it is that we can see the beginning of Judas now being used by the enemy along with the Jews, the Jewish leadership to get Jesus to kill him. But unbeknownst to them that Jesus was coming on his own will. See, they think they're doing something to plot against him. But yet Jesus already knew that the son of man must surrender. The son of man must submit. The son of man must turn himself over in order for us to be saved. But also in this text, we find out uh, the fulfillment of the prophecy. Zechariah 9 and 9 gives us a quote about uh, the Messiah, the king, the anointed one, someone special coming. It says, rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is our righteous and victorious. Yet he is humble, riding on a donkey. Riding on a donkey's colt. Now, when we're reading this, we're reading it as this is John's gospel. But when they were speaking, they were quoting Zechariah. And when they're quoting Zechariah, they're understanding that how he's coming in humility. He's coming with power and authority, but he's also coming in humility. Jesus, fully man and fully God. Jesus is the king of kings. But yet has not entered his kingdom yet. The people welcome Jesus into Jerusalem as a king now because of his popularity. You can see kind of the image of a bandwagon influence. He's what's on and popping right now. Uh, they heard what he did to Lazarus. Now the crowd is gathering around him. People are just following the crowd enamored with what is happening because Come Friday, they're going to change their tune from Hosanna to crucify. The Pharisees are liking, are not liking the crowd that Jesus has. And their hatred works for them to go against Jesus, but not knowing that God is already using them for their plan. Let me help somebody out today. That there might be someone out there that wants to knock you down, that wants to hurt you, but yet you just say, thank you, Lord, for my enemies. Because they're going to help me get high. Your, your enemy becomes your footstool. And anybody ever try to reach something a little bit higher and you had to step on something to get up? Well, let more enemies come. 
And the more they fall, the more you can step on them to get up. Y'all don't hear me. See, the enemies thought they were stopping Jesus, but yet they were part of the plan. Jesus was willing to suffer for our redemption, and yet these ones are thinking they are hurting him, but yet they are only being used by the enemy, but yet Christ is going to accomplish his glory. See, when we understand that God is always working for our good, we can understand no matter how bad the enemy thinks he is, he's not as good as our God. That means that he can't stop what God has already put into motion. Mm. They're blessing him, they're worshiping him, they're, they're extolling him. And I, I want to highlight something here, very special, very special. Look at verse 15 of John, the 12th chapter. It says, don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's coat. Now, I told you that the full text of Zechariah 9 says this. Rejoice, O people of Zion, shout in triumph. O people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is a righteous and victorious, yet he is what? Humble. Riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey. So I want to highlight here that new, the, the, the New Testament, New Living Translation, loosely translates this and leaves out the word humble, but it's implied. Because he's riding on a donkey colt. He's not riding in on a horse and chariot. He's not riding on, on just on a horse. But he's coming on a humbler animal, a donkey's colt. And so it suggests to us that he's coming with power and authority, but yet he's coming with humility. I want to highlight this because as we're celebrating this Passion Week and we're beginning on this Palm Sunday Passion Sunday, look how he is fully God, fully divine, and also fully man, that he humbles himself to come into Jerusalem. Remember before he went there? And he raised up Lazarus, his disciples told him, don't go back there. They already want to kill you. But Jesus understand that I'm going to humble myself and allow them to do what they want to do. Because they're not going to change who I am by their actions. They're not going to stop what I'm going to do by their actions. Uh, this is all a part of, of God's plan. But also Jesus pointing out that this was, is going to be done so that God gets the glory. Jesus understood that I'm not doing this for my sake, but for my father's sake. He says, everything I do is for my father. So he's pointing out that as my God, my father gets the glory, I too will get the glory. But it's not about me. I'm encouraged you to understand that sometimes in our lives we get sidetracked thinking about our own reputation, our own condition, our own identity. And sometimes we've got to remind ourselves that it's not about me. But how I must submit and allow God to have his way in my life. Don't allow the people around me to blow smoke and make me feel I'm better than who I really am. Jesus is riding on a wave of popularity. But yet in the midst of all these high praise, you can see his humility. He came to suffer. And so I'm going to spend the, the latter part of talking about this past and Sunday looking in uh, the New Testament reading of Philippians, the second chapter, uh, verses 6 through 11. As we're going to look at what Jesus is really doing, how he is humbling himself, coming from a place of authority, a place of power set 
into time, clothing himself in flesh so that he could die on the cross on Friday. I want you to understand when he's coming in on Sunday and they're worshiping him and they're blessing him and they're exalting him, Jesus is not looking on today, say this is a good day. He's looking ahead to Friday to when he's going to suffer, when he's going to take on our penalty. He's going to take on our shame. Uh, that we might have life and have life more abundantly. When we look at Jesus was willing to suffer for our redemption, Jesus took our place and, be, and his suffering was for our redemption. Regardless of what the Pharisees and the Sadducees had, uh, Jesus had it all part of this plan. Reading from the New Living Translation, the Word of God says, Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Uh, he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I want to highlight this aspect, this hymn of Christ, because when we see him coming in into Jerusalem, they are exalting him for being king of kings. But yet the text suggests to us that how he is humbling himself in front of them. You understand that Christ had a heart of humility. Let us look at this poetic hymn, the verses in this text. Notice how if you read this in the Greek, it has more faith to you in the form of God. And, 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 and then it has Mopas Dulu, the form of a slave. Just rise, Dulu and Dulu, rise, God and slave. But in the form of God. He was in the form of God. He was fully God. Before he clothed himself in flesh, he already existed. That's why we like the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And, and you look at John, it kind of echoes what's already in Genesis, said in the beginning. He's always been in existence. Jesus is not some new historical figure, but yet he has always been in existence. We know who he is because he made us. And since he made us, he desired to step in time that we might know him and not know him just at that moment in time, but know him forever and ever. Amen. But yet here it is, though he was God, though he was in the form of God. Mm. Described that he had the natures and the characteristics and shown that he was equal with God because he's one with God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And because Jesus is God, he could have chosen to keep his status with God and not die for his own creation. But I'm so glad that love moves in that direction. Love cannot stand passively by and watch what he loves be destroyed when you can do something to save it. I know sometimes we say it because we have no other way to say it. He did not have to, but he did. 
But I want you to understand, because he loves us, he had to. It's like he could not do anything but that because of his love for us. That he says, I got to do it because nobody else can. Thank you, Jesus. He did not think it as robbery. Mm. He, he, he did not think it as robbery or something to hold on to, but yet he was willing to give it up. Uh, verse 6 says, Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality God a thing to be grasped. Why, why is that important? Because it shows us his humility. Being in the form of God expresses that Jesus could have stayed up there and looked down and said, Well, it's all your problem. But yet he understood that in order for it to get done, I got to humble myself. Sometimes in our lives that we don't want to get dirty. We want to get down off our high status. We want to appoint and, and administrate and we want to delegate, but we don't want to do the heavy work. Sometimes that work seems shameful, seems humiliating. right? We, we don't want to be the one putting the stuff on the shelf. We want to tell people to put the stuff on the shelf. But oftentimes you realize that you need that person that puts the stuff on the shelf because they know how everything gets done. Y'all don't hear me? And here it is, Jesus pointing out that the greatest of these is the least of these. Oh, hallelujah. And how, how poetic that is. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in a in human form. The text points out to us again from form of God now to a form of slave. Understand this, that he could have chosen to come as a king, as a prince, born in, in, in lavish and born in wealth, but yet he came in humility. Matter of fact, we find out how they didn't like him. They said, isn't he the carpenter's son? That, that wasn't said with terms of endearment. They were saying, like, ain't that the one we know? He ain't good. He ain't, he ain't good like us. We train people. We've been raised to be Pharisees and Sadducees. We, we, we've grown up knowing the law. This man, he ain't good like us, and he can study and be a scholar and be wise. He works with wood. I'm so glad he works with wood. Because on the wood and that work, amen, he saved our lives. But they look down upon him saying, isn't he the son of a carpenter? We know his mama, his daddy, and said, he's nobody special. You know, you know how people do that to people, right? When they say they know somebody, they say, you don't know nobody special. Because I know you, and you're not special. But hallelujah, in his humility, he didn't have to prove who he was because it's evidence of who he is. Jesus came and showed full obedience and humility. Though he could have stayed in the position of hierarchy, he instead took on our humility in our form, being coming in the form of his own creation with humility. Verse 8 says he humbled himself. Uh, I, I like how it, it emphasizes his, his humility. It says he humbled himself in obedience, even obedience unto death on the cross. Now, for us, New Living Family helps us to understand how he died. It, it was a criminal's death. Why is that important that he died a criminal's death? Uh, he was not assassinated. No, no, no. Uh, uh, he was not murdered in his sleep. No, no, no. No, they, they, they charged him for a crime he did not commit. Uh, he did not sin, but they treated him as if he sinned. 
But what happened there is that he did not sin, but we did. And he took our place. He took our debt. He took our penalty. He took our punishment that we might know glory. Mm. He suffered so that we don't have to suffer. Now, we suffer in life, but we won't suffer like him now that we know him. We won't, he, we won't be saying, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? No, we, we quote Psalm of David. I've been, I've been young, I've been old. But I've never seen that seed forsaken or begging for bread. We, we quote that because of the promise that we have in Jesus. But when we don't know Jesus, we're going to know separation from him, which is death. And death means to go into hell, which is the final death. But now that we know him, we know life because I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus says. Though you believe, though you may die, yet you shall live. That's a funny thing right there. How can you die and live? Only in Jesus. He humbled himself in obedience to God, even died of criminals. Death. Another, another thing about being crucified is basically a, a sign of embarrassment. Uh, cursed is he who dies on the tree. Jesus came and showed us full obedience and full humility unto God. He understood what it meant to be the prisoner and to be the suffering servant so that we might know redemption. And now that we know redemption and his glories, I want you to notice the work of this song, uh, this hymn. Verses 6 through 8 is all on Jesus. Y'all with me there? He died a death of humiliation on the cross. As a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death. Jesus could have subjected himself from immortality to mortality. Jesus fully accepted his death by the cross or death by crucifixion. The cross during the Roman Empire was the worst capital punishment of death. When Israelites' history was a terrible curse to die on a tree. So Jesus became our sin and our curse, even death on a cross. This needs to be explained so that the great expression of love, sacrifice, and the emptying of Christ was expressed on the cross. Galatians 3.13 echoes that sentiment, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Thank you, Jesus. For becoming our curse. Christ's greatest obedience exemplified it in him being rejected, humiliated for our sake. In this, Mark 15, 31 says, In the same way the chief priests also, along with the scribes, were mocking him among themselves, saying he has saved others, but he cannot save himself. Uh, this apparent weakness of Christ is truly his strength for our redemption. I'm going to encourage you the same way that you can find strength even in your weakness. People might think you being humble might be a sign of weakness. People might think that you are allowing somebody to talk about you because you could turn the other cheek as if you might be weak. But I would encourage you that in our weakness we can find strength in God. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distress and persecutions, with difficulty for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We are made strong having this attitude, this mind of Christ. Notice how we can endure people talking about us when we know who we are. 
We say it all the time. They call me every name but a child of God. Basically, emphasize you can call me what you want, but I know who I am. I'm a child of God. And here's it. If you don't know who I am, I'm so glad that he does because he signed my name in the Lamb's book of life. When it's time to take attendance, I want to be in the number or when the saints go marching in. And so when we understand that he suffered so that I might have a place over in glory, then I might be willing to suffer just a little bit while I'm going on this earthly journey. But we don't stop there in the hymn. There's a breakdown in verse 9. There's a therefore. In, in verbiage, we understand a therefore is there for a reason. A therefore also suggests to us that there's a result or a condition or explanation coming for what happened before. And so here comes the explanation and the purpose and the outcome for what happened before. It says, therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. What I want to highlight again, remember I talked about how, thank God for your enemies. They will help you to get a little bit high. <laughs> he was low, but now he's high. <laughs> it says, therefore. I encourage you that here it is. They thought they had him. The stone they rejected is the chief cornerstone. Who they rejected is who God has exalted. When we understand that he is who he says he is because of the great work he has done, God highly exalted him with honor with the title Lord. I want to highlight here about why he has the title Lord. It says that he gave him the name. Now, I want to understand here that we use the word the name when we're speaking about somebody's government name. The name that is printed on their birth certificate, that's on their passport, how they are identified. But yet, I want to encourage you that sometimes you have different names in different places. Your name may be president at a place. Your name may be judge at a place. Your name may be daddy at a place. Mommy at a place. Wife at a place. A husband at a place. What does that say? Your name defines your position, your title, and your authority. Here it is. He was born of Joseph and Mary at Jesus of Nazareth. They said ain't nothing good coming from Nazareth. In that, in that uh, Mary and Joseph's boy, we know his sister and brother, but yet now after he died, it said God gave him the name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Where is this happening? On earth, below and above. Why is this happening? Because he has the name. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you understand that? It's not just the name Jesus. There's a lot of people that are named Jesus. Greek in the name Jesus is a common name for Joshua in Hebrew. Yes, I want to highlight, yes, there's something special about Jesus, but there's something special about the name of Jesus. Everybody is not Lord. Everybody is not King of Kings. Everybody's not of the son of the line of the tribe of Judah. Everyone is not of the bright and the morning star. But Jesus, he is the one and the only God all by himself. Fully man and fully divine and fully flesh. He is the one that they took to the cross all the way to Calvary to die for a wretch like you and me. 
That's why I get excited when it says the name. You see, there's a definite article. It didn't just say a name, but the name. The name that when it's in Revelation points out, it's written across the shaft. Lord, that everybody will bow when the Lord comes in. If you don't understand what's happening, let me help you out. This was written in the time of kingdoms and monarchies. And when the king showed up, you didn't stand up. Y'all don't hear me. When the king showed up, people would genuinely, they would bow and show their submission to the king's authority. I was at a few more witnesses that could testify that I want to bow in Jesus' presence and thank him for what he's done for me. I can't stand up because what I have done, but I got to bow down and say thank you. For dying on the cross for my sins, for setting me free from my pain and my penalty. Thank you, Jesus. Good day, now it's time to Lord bless you real good. I'm done preaching now, but I just want to celebrate a little bit while. That I thank God for walking down on this earth and taking on pain and suffering and blemishes so that I might know life. And life more abundantly. Good day now, gentlemen. The Lord bless you real good. But on your way home, I challenge you to worship Him, to bless Him, and thank Him all the way back. And say, thank you, Lord, for taking care of me when I couldn't take care of myself. Thank you, Lord, for humbling me by showing me you saved me. Thank you, Jesus. King of kings, Lord of lords, host of hosts. Humble himself so that we might have life. So can you not humble yourself? Can you not surrender to him? I want to encourage, I want to encourage you that it may be hard while you're going through, but it wasn't easy for Jesus. So won't you endure it? But I want to encourage you as you look at this hymn, wait for your therefore. Know that there's a whole lot of humility on Jesus. There was a lot of suffering on Jesus. But the text went from Jesus, everything on him, to everything on God. It says, therefore, God exalted him. God gave him the name. God put him in position. I want to encourage you, wait for your therefore. If you have not been lifted up, just wait on your therefore. Why you might be pushed down, why you might be oppressed now, why you might be beat down, understand that God's not going to leave you down, but he will lift you up. That's why we get excited about that song. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad Jesus lifted me. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Jesus lifted me. Notice how we don't say it just one time. We had to estimate it three more times said he lifted me. I want to encourage you. Wait on the Lord. It may take some time. But know that he's going to lift you up. And here's the beautiful thing that one day we all will be changed. In a twinkling of an eye. And guess what? We will be lifted up to be with him. So wait on your therefore. I can't tell you when your therefore is coming, but it's coming. Because he's coming back again. So keep on trusting in the Lord while you're going down. Don't have your head down. I'm going to look up to the hills. When it's coming to your heaven, all your help comes from the Lord. Tell you now, I'm waiting for my therefore. Because when he comes, therefore, you will be exalted. You will be changed. And you'll see glory. Hallelujah. So what are your therefore? As he's able to humble himself, may we humble ourselves before him. And trust that no matter what we're going through, our God is able to see us through. 
deliver us, and bring us through. Let us pray. Mighty God, we just thank you. That there's nothing lost in you. You do all things well. So, Father, help us to continue trusting you. In the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trials, and tribulations. We, Lord, we are trusting in you to do only what you can do. You are our redeemer. You are our restorer. You are our provider. You are our rock. You are our host. You are the great almighty God, our provider, all by yourself. Forgive us, God, for we made it more about us than about you. Thank you, God, that you have not given up on us. Thank you, Lord, that you have not forsaken us. Thank you, Lord, that you forever love us. And help us, oh God, we submit to you. We humble ourselves before you. That we give you all the glory. And we give you all the honor. For all belongs to you. Lord, I pray there might be someone that wants to know Jesus. And they want to call on the name. Lord, I pray that they believe in their mouth. I'm sorry, that Lord, I believe in their heart and confess with their mouth. That Jesus Christ is Lord. And that he died on the cross for their sins. And that he defeated death by rising from the grave on the third day. The Lord, I ask that they will say, Lord, come into my heart. Be my personal Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that they will say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. And then, Lord, I pray you help us to guide them to a Bible-believing, preaching, teaching church where they can be discipled and grow. And the admonition, Lord, of you, Lord, be prayed. Amen. Amen. As we continue to worship our God, we pray to give God his tithes and our offering. Right where you are, you have to give online at Zion www.zionbcpeoria.com or also you go to our website, you can download our app and you can give online or text the kids as well. Thank you for joining us in worship this morning on this Passion Week and then weekly uh, live stream on Facebook. Uh, we're going to have our Passion Moments of Meditation starting nightly at 6 p.m. You're welcome to join us on Facebook and join us live in that time as we reflect on the, our Passion of our Lord and Savior all the way to Good Friday. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. God bless you and keep you until we meet again. Jesus loves you and so do I.